think I, I think that's what I'm starting to hear. It's all about shifting the perspective of potential people. Yes, it's raising the value, raising the awareness of your ideal uh, customer, shifting them from merely being transactional based to becoming an advocate, becoming a supporter, becoming loyal to the brand through teaching them the ins and outs, the ABCs and fundamentals of your particular product or service. So consider. We're uh, starting a brand new episode of the Business Blind Spots Exposed podcast, podcast. Uh, BBSE, as I like to call it, because it's a lot shorter than Business Blind Spots Exposed. Today, I have with me Shadid Alizer. Shadid, how are you doing today? I feel great. It's an honor, privilege, and a pleasure to share the airwaves with you and your audience. Uh, thanks, Shadid. I always uh, I always get so much out of our conversations, and I, I think our audience probably will uh, today as well. But I kind of want to start first and make sure everyone understands what we're here for on the Business Blind Spots Exposed BBSE podcast. And that is 99% of business opportunities and risks begin and end with employees and your understanding of your employees and your people. That means if you don't understand your people, gosh, there are things that are going to hurt you and there's things that are going to help you that might just pass you by. The whole point of the BBSE is to get the perspectives and the experiences from people who've been there and done that either as business leaders or consultants to businesses. And they've seen some of these narratives, some of these stories. My company, Carmo, we actually expose some of those opportunities and risks in software and doing business analytics. But the data and the analytics is nice, but if you don't see the story coming at you, gosh, it might just pass you by. And that's why we bring on the experts and the consultants and the leaders that we do to BBSE. So you can start to hear and see if maybe this might be happening in your organization. Uh, and then in the second here, I'm going to introduce uh, Shadid and a little bit why, about why I, I brought Shadid on today. But today we're actually announcing two sponsors. We've got two sponsors and two offers uh, in our podcast series. Number one is Carmo, which builds a performance intelligence tool. It's business analytics that improves employee retention, employee productivity, and better decision-making. For anybody who comments in the chat, just tell us where you're from or who you are, and you'll be eligible to get a free 30-minute consultation to see if you can improve employee retention, productivity, and make better decisions in your business. And finally, I've got Corralling Chaos, which is all about authentic leadership and high-performing teams. They'll do a complimentary culture evaluation of up to 10 employees. All you have to do is simply say, I'm interested in the comments, or just ask us a question, and you'll put yourself into the, into the bucket. All right, let's, uh, let's get to it. I want to talk about Shadid. Shadid is going to talk to us about the data behind online training. Shadid, I've kept you waiting for a little while here. I want to give everyone a little bit of background on who you are first before, uh, before we, we get into it, because I think this is a really interesting uh, space. So your title is Content and Software Licensing Strategist. You're all about getting training and content solutions out in front of people, and training as the platform is, is, is a, one of those primary methods of getting it out. Because if you can keep people understanding what they've got to do, gosh, once they have that alignment and that congruence, 
a lot of magical things start to happen or can start to happen. I'll put it that way. So U.S. Navy veteran, uh, you're Baltimore's leading small business advisor. I know that's something you've been passionate and have been doing for a long time. Uh, lots of the people who typically tend to bring you on are experts and entre entrepreneurs to bring their signature programs and their training programs, their best-selling books into license-ready curriculum. So if you're a leader of a company and you've learned lots of lessons over time and you want to start to impart that knowledge to your staff or to others outside of your organization, that's what she did helps them do. Uh, the potential people to buy those things are corporations, universities, government agencies, builds their whole recurring revenue stream for businesses and solves the problem of scaling and, and making your time valuable and, and monetizable. Uh, Shadid, gosh, there's a lot to unpack right there. Did I, I say that all properly? Did I get that all right? Well, it's all based on a true story, and I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> well, I, I I appreciate that. So, look, last thing I'll say to everyone is this is an interactive conversation. You get eligible for some of the sponsorship uh, opportunities. All you need to do is just chime into the comments and say, I'm here. My name is Vinay. Uh, love for you to do it. I love for you to give the support to Shadid and you can also ask questions directly of me or Shadid in the comments, and we will take those live and, and answer them and get some information for you. So let's jump into it. Shadid, training. I think everybody understands the value of training. I think some people do it really well, some people not so well. Tell me about from your perspective, what makes training valuable in organizations, what have you seen as the outcome of people who do training really well? Well, when we, we think about business, we can go in a number of different paths. And if you ask the, the top 100 business influencers what their core values are as it relates to business, you're going to get a, a wide range of answers. And so let's just use the common definition of customer or employee retention in this case. We're going to build a business. We want the people who help to grow our business to be satisfied, educated, empowered, so on and so forth. So when we think about training and we think about customer retention being the, or employee retention being the most important metric that we need in order to grow, training helps to keep our employees engaged. It helps to keep our employees reinvesting into the company's core values. So training in itself is not just, let's say, uh, an output of, uh, it's an investment into the uh, growth of the company overall. And so when you, you step back from what you're training about and just focus on the growth of the team, the growth of our employees. That's where the magic begins to take place. So I, I think there's a lot to unpack within that statement. You talked about customer loyalty. You talked about employee retention. Mm -hmm. You know, I just put a post out a little earlier this week, a fabulous uh, stat. It said that 33% of employees believe that the feedback you give them is useless. Hmm. Uh, so the way I think translate that to dollars is for every $100,000 in payroll, uh, $33,000 is just going down the toilet before you've even opened your mouth, which is painful 
I mean, who who wants to afford that? I think what I'm hearing from you is with tr- a, tr- a good, solid training program strategy, I don't know what the right word is there, you might make that $33,000 stick as opposed to going away because you keep telling people, here's what I really need you to do. And there's greater alignment with with what the company or the roles causes. Did, did I... Am I interpreting too much there? Am I going too far? Is that am I am I kind of getting in the right direction? Ah, well, and now I must roll up my sleeves here. Now I'm, I'm beginning to get warmed up. And here's a concept that I want for our audience, our viewers, and listeners to to take home: is that consider the value of education as a resource for your products and services. So now we're moving to outbound training. And so if you have a product and you provide the education behind it, all statistics aside, when someone educates you or makes you feel more empowered as a consumer, you tend to use your customer uh, power and uh, devote that loyalty to that business or brand. And so when we start to look at, let's say, monthly recurring revenue, we start to look at, let's say, customer lifetime value, which are key metrics to the growth in, let's say, longevity of a company, education that is backed by a training program is a very powerful vehicle that is underutilized. So in the the case of, let's say, a certain percentage that uh, goes uh, wasted, when we invest in our customers, when we invest in our the people who buy into us, then we start to see that not only do we recoup that that missing percentage, we also begin to increase through recurring purchases and uh, increased purchases at the point of sale. So education is is a sales vehicle. It's also a customer lifetime value engine that many companies underutilize and need to focus more upon. So I heard it, sales, education, customer lifetime value. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I'm hearing here is, is, is education is an investment in your customers and or your employees. And the idea is that instead of taking, it may take you a little more time. It may take you 15 minutes to educate somebody on something. But if you can turn that into content instead of maybe 15 minutes, I'm just making a number here. Let's say it takes you an hour, one time, right? Instead of spending, uh, you know, with eight different employees, 15 minutes each, uh, instead record, do one hour of time. And as you do that over and over time, that just becomes a, an investment that just continues to yield dividends because your cost per conversation has just gone in half, right? So it's same thing with customers. Instead of having a 15-minute conversation explaining how a particular service or a particular value of a service that you provide to them is, Say, hey, look, I'd love to t- chat with you about it. You know, here's a quick, quick video. Here's a quick training on, on what you should look for and what you need to be aware of. It shifts you to a place of expertise, a thought leader, as far as they're concerned, and a resource. So it's it's about shifting the way people think about you, and that's what education and training is all about. It's not about trying to get more money out of it. It's about shifting your the position that that you're you're speaking from. And, Am I getting that right? I think I think that's what I'm starting to hear of. It's all about shifting the perspective of potential people. Yes, it's 
raising the value, raising the awareness of your ideal uh, customer, shifting them from merely being transactional based to becoming an advocate, becoming a supporter, becoming loyal to the brand through teaching them the ins and outs, the ABCs and fundamentals of your particular product or service. So consider, let's say, customer loyalty programs, if they're backed by a structured curriculum that takes people through the excitement phase, congratulations, you've just purchased. And then it starts to take you through the point of, okay, you're at phase one. Here's how you complete the level one certification. Here's how you move to intermediate into advanced so that through these particular uh, advancements and ranks, people begin to, let's say, um, empower themselves through greater education, through, let's say, greater uh, achievement from a learning standpoint. And what does that do? As they're going down that path, they share that news with their audience, which helps them advocate for your brand. It also helps them to teach others, which helps them become experts. And so there's there's many different paths when you start to structure your your training and education that can go into uh, retention. It can go into customer loyalty programs. And so the key is that you look at the same uh, questions, the same uh, scenarios that are going to come up when people buy your products and services. And you begin to create that structure. That's where content licensing comes into play because you're taking the experiences that you have and that your customer has, and you begin to begin to build that structure and that curriculum around the experience in order to educate and empower your customer base as well as your employee base as well. So, so I think there's two kind of, uh, there's a fork in the road here in terms of types of conversation we can have around employees and, and around customers, right? Let's go down this employee track for a little bit because I think sure. one of the things that I've heard a lot of from people is I want to, uh, finding good people is hard. I, and I don't think that matters what industry and finding good people is hard. Uh, COVID-19 notwithstanding was difficult. <laughs> COVID-19 just made it a, a you know whole, whole bunch harder, right? Uh, for, for various reasons. And I don't think we're, that's, that's, there's enough time for that discussion. So just let's talk about hiring the right people and keeping the right people. In terms of training, how have you seen people use training to make sure they hire the right people? Is there an application for training just to make sure that they hire the right people? Kind of bringing them in the door or maybe the first couple of days they're in the door? Well, and when it comes to hiring the right people, it has to, everyone from a, a training standpoint, or let's say a process standpoint, the company's core values have to be identified and consistent so that when someone comes into the door, I'll give you a, a non-related example. If someone walks into your house and your rules are to take off your shoes at the door so you don't track in mud on the, the, the nice, pristine white carpet and you don't share that information from the beginning, can you blame the person who comes in, uh, let's say the handyman or the contractor that comes in and does a repair and tracks mud on the carpet? So when it comes to, uh, let's say, an employment context or an onboarding context, 
making sure that the core values are clearly stated and that everyone from top to let's say entry level understands the core values on some level and that they're communicated happens to be one of the, the most important parts to the onboarding process. And so once people come into the door, as it relates to education, as it relates to training, making sure everyone goes through the same process in terms of here's how we do things, here's why we do things, and here's who you can speak to if you have questions about how we do things and why we do things happens to be the most effective way to not only define the process, but also to make adjustments as the nature of work and especially as we mentioned with COVID, as people go remote, as people uh, change how we work, those core values have to be in place so that we use those values to make those necessary adjustments. So uh, BBSC is all about finding blind spots. I mean, I, I think I just found one here. And that is, I think a lot of people think about training as something just you use for your employees and that's it. I, I'm hearing that there is a great way. Look, for anybody who's kind of before they even walk in the door, you want to set very clear expectations as to this is how we work, right? This is what's important to us. And training is the opportunity to say, here, watch these three videos. They might be a minute and uh, you know, 90 seconds each. They might be three minutes, whatever that is. That's a different uh, you know, decision there. But we want you to watch these videos. And when they come in for that interview, let's see how many of those videos they've actually watched, right? Uh, let's see what expectations they've gotten from it and say, what do you think of our core values? And just start with it. I love starting with open-ended questions like that uh, because it kind of puts it on them to see how engaged they are in the conversation. Here's a way to maybe even start to vet some of these people before they even walk in the door. Hey, here's our core values. What, what do you think of the core values? They haven't even watched it. Well, how do you think they're going to be engaged walking in the door? So this is a way to kind of raise the raise the bar before walking in the door and not waste a lot of people's time because you've done it one time, right? Exactly, exactly. So uh, to give an example, in, in the intro, we mentioned that I'm a U.S. Navy veteran. And so the Navy has a, a set of core values. Now, when you come into uh, the U.S. Navy, they have you uh, rope memorization. So you have to uh, memorize the, the sailor's creed and the, the core values, and you're tested on the memorization of it. Now, as you, you get out into your, let's say your command where you're assigned, then you begin to see the core values in, uh, let's say daily motion without the explanation. So at first there's going to be an introduction, but as you, you move through the organization, seeing things play out in real time is where you get to see those core values be acted upon. And years later, now I finally understand versus know on the surface when the, in the beginning, I can understand how honor, courage, commitment can be applied in every single scenario, not only in the Navy, but it's a, these are three core values that I've carried throughout life. Now, when we think about the companies that we work for, oftentimes the managers, the uh, direct supervisors who make the greatest impact on us are the people who understand the values of the company and can apply it to each and every scenario. So as you, you as business owners, think about what your core values are and how do you live them each and every day? Do you say 
your core values are, to be honest, but in your day-to-day communication with your employees and teams, you withhold certain information. You have to live what your values are, uh, let's say, uh, communicated, and that's how you create the uh, employee experience that people go on to create companies and they're similar to yours, or they remember your company for years to come. So training can set expectations pre-hire. Uh, it's it's a scalable way to do it. You don't take a lot of your time. You, you take the time to build it one time. Uh, and it sets the it sets the expectations coming in the door. Once they walk in the door, I see training as an opportunity to start the expectations as to, hey, here's the role that you're in and here's what you're expected to know. And here's what our definition of success for your role is. Because look, when they're coming in the door, they've got lots of questions. Uh, even though the role title may be the same as 50 other companies, what your company wants is going to be different than what another company wants. It may be There may be some similarities, clearly, right? Uh, it say tech, says technician. Well, technicians are going to generally do the same role in the same type of company, but your particular spin on it, what's important to you, uh, comes through in those in those training videos. I mean, that's that's the idea, right? Yes, and so when we think about training, especially from an employee standpoint, take the the method of delivery out of it. It's communicating how you do things and why you do things in a method that allows you to share one message to many. And so when you think about training, remove the, the, the structure and think about what your message is and how it can be delivered um, in package so that many can benefit from it. So should he, uh, I, I, I think the utility of the training makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Creating it, deploying it, using it sounds much more complicated to me. Is that true? Well, it's the beauty of training is that it's flexible. And so if your company is, let's say, um, you you have... Everyone has a, a, a corporate uh, smartphone, for example. You can use SMS or text messaging to get the message out on the daily training of the, uh, the week. And so think about how your organization collaborates. What are the, uh, let's say, the, what, is, what is the water cooler within your company where information is disseminated? So if that's an intranet, if that's, uh, let's say, audio files, if that's email, you, you think about where the water cooler is and centralize the message in a way and at a time where many of your, your key employees will get that message. So it kind of doesn't matter. I mean, I think when you say flexible, what, I'm, what, what I think I'm gathering from that is this idea that how you use it is up to you. I mean, if you wanna do it via uh, sending out YouTube videos, you wanna do it by text message, you wanna do it by email, via social media posts, whatever, that's, that's not the hard part. It's just the idea that you click the send button, right? So it, it goes out the door. But how do you decide when to use it? I'm, uh, you know, For example, when we, 
when we come into companies, we help them figure out who are the highly effective employees and who are not so effective. And there's most of the people kind of, you know, highly effective, not so effective. And there's most of the people right in the middle, right? How do you, so training is an opportunity to bring those people in the middle and make them step up. Mm -hmm. How do you know when to hit the send button? How, How do you help people build a strategy to use that training, um, to, to get people engaged with it, uh, to, to, to start to follow it. I mean, and do people follow it? Talk, talk to me more about that. Well, bad training is better than no training. <laughs> and when it comes to training, it should come from the answers based on the questions that you ask the people that you're delivering the training to. So in your organization, as you're, you're viewing this, Keep in mind that surveys are the the predecessor to training. Uh, Focus groups are the predecessor to training programs. So at a minimum, you should have gatherings within your organization, whether they're smaller team meetings or larger assemblies, where there's a discussion and feedback of what the team members need to learn in order to be effective. And so... That's where training comes from. You should not go to a vendor and have a vendor tell you what training you should deliver. You should gather what, uh, let's say, data, feedback, and requests from key team members and bring that to a vendor in order to uh, build that strategy. So it all starts with uh, the questions And training in itself is iterative. There's going to be uh, the version one of your training, of course, is going to improve over time. What many companies uh, make the mistake is having the uh, perfectionist uh, mindset where it has to be a pristine version of training when simply putting out the information that your team needs to improve or to be informed is more important than anything else that you do. So this is really funny, and I'm kind of chuckling as you're saying this because I think I, for a long time, I suffered from this, right? Trying to get it right, prep, 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 only to find out I screwed up the first time anyway, <laughs> right? I mean, when I started doing this podcast, I don't I don't actually even remember what number one. We're probably on number 57 by now. I will tell you the first one was not so polished, <laughs> but it doesn't matter, Right. The, it, it became authentic, and the fact that it, it was authentic it was, it was the value of it. And I think the other person on the other line kind of chuckled and said, I really appreciate that we did this. It was, this was just a fun experience. And I think a lot of people got a value out of it. And I think what I'm, why I'm saying that is, I think what you're saying is, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. Uh, just, just give it a shot. You know, heck, you could be sitting at home, you could be sitting in your car, and something just frustrated that happened in that daily experience Hold up your phone and just record. And say, "Here's what just happened." You don't necessarily need to mention the person, but record it and say, "I look. Here's something that's a little frustrating to me, and let me explain to you what's going on here." That's that's training. It, be, it can be that simple. It's kind of what I'm hearing from you, right? Yes, and the personal touch to training from the right champions in the organization it humanizes the delivery to your employees. Your employees have worked other places before they came to your company. So they've heard all of the corporate speak before. And what's lacking in many great training programs 
is the human element. And so when you think about what your team members are going through and you engage your champions to simply share the, the scene behind the curtain and say, okay, here's where I made the mistake when I was in your position. Here's what I learned. Here's where I messed up. Here's where I did great. And then I became arrogant or overconfident. And here's where I had to get back to the basics. That form of training or the personal delivery of training is the, the, the secret sauce to effective training programs within an organization. So this is a topic that's, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, engaging with people on LinkedIn and a topic that's thrown around a lot about. So the stat I heard was 74% of people on Facebook post on Facebook. 1% of people on LinkedIn actually post on LinkedIn. So there's a huge opportunity within LinkedIn. I have been doing a lot of videos, been doing lots of posts. And this whole topic comes up amongst the community of people who are trying to do a lot of posting, imposter syndrome. Mm. Uh, are you really uh, Are you really all that, right? I mean, that, and nobody actually asks that question. People ask that of themselves all the time. Uh, am I really qualified to do this training? I think your point is you're missing the point. The fact that you got frustrated with something or you saw something, there's somebody else who can benefit from it. Gosh, what, if, if it's one of your employees or one of the people in your organization or one of your customers, hell, that's, that's the perfect reason to do it and say, look, I muddled my way through this. This is the end point. Don't do it yourself. <laughs> and there's a the training. Oh, yes. Uh, and I'm going to share with your audience the one strategy that I've used to overcome imposter syndrome in public speaking. So one of my biggest concerns as a public speaker, uh, let's say speaking about uh, Microsoft SharePoint uh, over the years, was that I, was, I had the fear that I would do a presentation and someone from Microsoft would actually, they raise their hand and say, actually, this is how SharePoint works because I was on the product team. And then my my laptop would catch on fire, and you know, you know, <laughs> curtains would fall down, and that was a, a a vision that I held in my mind for many years. And what I did to get over it is what I realized is that when it actually happened, here's what I told uh, the the audience: This is based on my experience. There are many ways to accomplish it, but this is what I've learned along my journey. And so what you have to realize is that when you are a, a one of one, there are there are no replicas to your design. So your experiences are yours. It's important to have fundamentals and have context of the history of how something was created or the, the fundamentals of it. But if you've uh, tried a, a particular method, if it was broken and you fixed it or you implemented a certain strategy, that is your experience on your own. And when you're delivering that, either through training, as you mentioned with a, a podcast, for example, or any form of content, you are the author of that. And similar to being going back to uh, scholastic days, when you were the person who stood in front of the class, other people may have, let's say, had an opinion about you standing in front of the class. But if you pointed to them and said, now it's your turn to stand in the front of the class, then the nervousness would kick in. So your credibility in being the leader and sharing that information gives you the, uh, let's say, 
dominion over that imposter syndrome. I love this. So if you start, gosh, I, I really love that. So this is based on my experience, rest of the rest of the, uh, the talk, right? And then you're speaking from a place of personal myself. And again, that part partly humanizes it, but it gives the insight or the value to someone. So, you know, when we're, when we're, when we just far started uh, talking, you know, 30 some odd minutes ago here, I, I was thinking, gosh, how do you put a formal structure in place? And I'm starting to hear that's way overthinking it, Vinay. We can get there. We can get to formal structure later on. Just start right now by recording stuff, maybe even with your smartphone saying, here's an, here's an issue that an employee brought up to me today. Here's an issue that a customer brought up to me today. And even if you do one of those a week, over the course of the next 12 weeks, that's a lot of stuff that you have recorded. And that now starts to become value that you can deliver to others. Am, am I getting that right? That I, I, that, I think that's what I'm getting out of this is just get started and you start increasing that employee, uh, that employee retention or customer loyalty just by creating that stuff, right? Well, the action that you take can fall into several training buckets. And so we, we want to have some structure because when someone receives, we as human beings, when we receive an answer to something we're seeking, we always want to know the next step. And so that's where training retention gains the, the most value. So if you have, let's say, an idea, it helps to with your team to map or script it out and create a series. So, for example... If the delivery is, I want to focus on just recording from my smartphone, that could be lessons learned. That can be, uh, let's say, if you're an accounting firm, for example, that can be accounting tips or accounting 101. Uh, if you are simply sharing how you uh, fixed a, a common problem in an IT shop, that can be, let's say, IT labs as a, a form of training. So give your ideas a certain theme. They don't have to run on forever, but you can, let's say, create various series that you can use to deliver a clear, concise start and finish to your training. Yes, it's important to get started, but always keep in mind that what if you do a great job, you're, you're going to have uh, a group of people who want the next step. So think about the, the series, but don't overthink what you plan to deliver. Uh, tell me some stories. Um, and actually, before I actually ask you to tell me the stories, if it looks like we've got some people who have been listening in, I'd love to hear who you are and do you have you ever felt imposter syndrome, or do you have you ever do you work in an organization that's got a good training program? I would love to understand uh, what what you have imposter syndrome, or have you worked at a place that's had a great training program? Um, so tell me some stories. Tell me some stories of how you've come into an organization and helped them build a training program. Where, where were they when they started, and kind of where did you take them to? What what happened for them? Oh, goodness. Where do we begin? Once upon a time in Washington, D.C., on Pennsylvania Avenue, there was an agency called the Department of 
Justice. Now, the Department of Justice uh, is a, a very intricate organization, but in this case, they have um, over uh, 1,000 attorneys. And so attorneys in this case, they are an interesting bunch in that they have a, a high level experience, but the tools that they use are very much their own. So for example, we're perfect at the time uh, is a tool that they would use and had a strong expertise in, in on the onset of Microsoft uh, Office. So Microsoft SharePoint, for those who are, are new to uh, this technology, is a, a server-based platform that allows for seamless uh, use of Office documents in a secure way. So if you're at an organization, if you're at Department of Justice and you have a Department of Justice email, you can go to a website and open up your office documents for work, submit timesheets, update invoices, so on and so forth, all within this secure environment. So this organization of over a thousand attorneys had to go from WordPerfect to uh, Microsoft SharePoint. This and the key here is that they each target end user had they're let's say five minutes behind on everything. Very hustle and bustle environment. We have to get to this meeting. There's a discovery here. We have to go to this case, so on and so forth. So it wasn't the highest priority for the end user, which are the attorney, let's say user group. And so what we had to do was design a way for the organization to use a system that they invested over half a million dollars for and make sure that the team got up to speed. So what we did was we said, okay, what is something we can implement that will allow for people to easily access the information that they need to complete their job, to complete the mission, and learn at the same time. So the quick reference card system was implemented where we had a series of um, both laminated printouts where if a lawyer needed to go to, because everything is stored in file cabinets. So if they needed to get to a specific document library or a specific website within the SharePoint environment, they can go to a file cabinet of laminated files that were color coded where they can pick up a reference card that contained step-by-step -step instructions on how to complete it. And so this allowed for them to not only access it in real time because they use a lot of paper files, but also within the system, there was a, a let's say a wiki of links that they can go to and access those same quick reference cards. And so if they had a challenge or a scenario, then we had our more or less what was called the, the hotline where we had a, a team member who can come over within 15 minutes or less and help them walk through the scenario that they needed uh, support with. So everything was based on quickness, speed, implementation, get things done, which was the culture of the Department of Justice legal department. And so what we were able to do was design a solution that was custom to the culture 
of the organization and get them the information in a way that doesn't obstruct their daily workflow. So they use Word, Word Perfect because it's quick, easy, and they've used it for years. When they switched over to a new system, many of them rejected the system because they didn't have the time to learn it. So the training system in this case was used in a way using the file systems that they normally access. So we put the quick reference cards right next to the, the case documents that they normally access, color coded so they don't have to think about it. They can access it and grab it right away. Each end user was able to choose their color coding system for that particular, how they reference it. And for those who are working on their computer, they can click on a link and access the quick reference cards. And if they needed a professional, then someone would be available within 15 minutes, run over to whichever building they uh, happen to be uh, based in and deliver that training in real time to help them accomplish. The result of that is that over 750 lawyers were able to get um, certified in a new system as uh, certified site administrators and or coordinators within the first three months, which was uh, a milestone of training that uh, surpassed any type of productivity that the organization has ever had. Hmm. So let me kind of play back some of the things that I heard in that. There was a group that was resistant to change because they have enough fires to fight. But you wanted to, or the organization wanted to move them to a new place. Uh, there was some risk involved there in trying to move them to that new place. So what, in this case, what you all did is you created a quick, quick reference card saying, here's a new set of processes. Here's how we make it easy. Here's how we put a support structure in place. They came with training uh, in person with some potential videos and some, some of these documents or, you know, the quick reference card. So we kind of, you kind of met them on their terms. Uh, and as a result of that, out of the thousand, at least 750 got certified in it, as in they took that step and integrated it into their already busy, uh, I've chicken with the head cut off kind of culture. Uh, and they and they they made the move. That seems like a, an effective use of everyone's time. And you said that the end result was productivity that they had an unprecedented level of productivity, which is fabulous, right? Absolutely. Which, did everybody consider that a win at the end? Absolutely. That the training, the contract itself was to help support the system. The training, and this happens in many. Uh, scenarios where the training is often an afterthought. One of the first points I mentioned was how are you using education to empower your user base for your products and services? So for the system itself, the training became so popular that the contract was extended for an additional two years just to deliver a training and education uh, system for not only the legal department, but that began to spread over to other departments because of the results from the training itself. So, you know, we, 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 we had this fork in the road where we talked about, let's go down this path of employee retention, 
right? Employee, so employee retention and productivity, I think are two things that are on every business uh, owner's, business leader's mind. Customer loyalty is a whole other component, right? And that's the path we didn't choose to go down earlier on. But what I'm hearing from you here is that, look, if you start to leverage this capability of education, not only can you get people to move there because they start to understand why they should do it. So they, I'll, I'll use a, uh, you know, use the word, you know, equity. They build equity in that process, right? They invest in that process. They see what's in it for them and they start to lean forward, which means you don't have to push as hard then, right? There may be some initial effort up front, but it sounds like, uh, you know, at some point in time, I got to imagine with these lawyers, it started to snowball at the State Department. You know, the first couple of people were a little slow to adopt and then everyone started talking about it on the water cooler, right? And then all of a sudden this thing starts to snowball. You, you went 1, 2, 15 to 400 <laughs> and, it, and, and it probably started to snowball like that. It, did I get that right? Absolutely. And so when similar, so we'll use the Department of Justice example and we'll transition into uh, customer loyalty. When we delivered exceptional results for the initial test case or end user community, they received the great result. They were able to increase their productivity. I, I, I never realized that I can do so much. And so it actually allowed them to do more in a fast paced environment. And when they were able to do more, since they are the, the most active, let's say, uh, group within the department, then it started to spread over to the, let's say, change management board. And they decided that these results, if they were able to move the lawyers over, then the IT staff, the HR staff, the accounting staff, so on and so forth, would also benefit from the same uh, system. So when we talk about customer loyalty, when you're able, what many people focus on is uh, client acquisition. When you focus on customer retention, which is pouring into those who have already invested in you, and there's two major ways that people invest. That's either the investment of, uh, let's say, money and also time. So people who are part of your beta programs, people who are part of your newsletter or mailing list. And when you double down on the support within the people who have already have a tenure, who have equity in what you uh, currently offer, they become the advocates of anything that you create in the future. And also they spread the word and help endorse anything that you've currently uh, released, created and have uh, within your toolkit. You know, I, uh, one of the things that came to mind is this, the idea of the real estate industry. Uh, lots of real estate agents spend a lot of time sending out newsletter or postcards. Here's the set of recent sales in your area. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it, but the, you know, there, you know, I had in as soon as I left college, I bought a uh, a property, and I've hung onto that property for a number of years now. And the same people have been following me since then, sending me everything. And if I ever see a postcard from them, I uh, always believe it, just because they've been educating me for so long on what the cost or the the sale value of my properties. I believe them, and that they could sell it. 
and I think what I'm hearing here is almost kind of the same thing, right? If you spend the time with your customers, just keep telling them, hey, here's what we've done. Here's what we're doing in the area. Here's the services that we provide. Here's what you need to understand about, look, it's uh, it's in, in North Carolina. It's now May. This is when uh, mosquito services is, uh, is about to go into effect. So if you're starting to think about going outside more often, mosquitoes is something you ought to be aware of as an example, right? By continually training your customers, you make them into better customers for yourself because they just kind of come to you and they opt in to what you do. To the, the point of real estate, we'll use real estate as an example. Content licensing uh, in the real estate industry is one of the most powerful forms of education. If you think all the way back to the 1980s with the Carlton Sheets of the World and the No Money Down courses, these are courses that would appear on late night infomercials and there would be cassette tapes. And so education in the real estate industry is very important. So you touched on a very important point. There's a, when you educate your audience, let's, let's take education out the way. When you make your clients into smarter and more informed people, they will reward you with an investment of their time and or uh, monetary compensation. Now, when it comes to, let's say, home buying, for example, think about the four seasons of the year based on your particular business or paradigm or worldview. So from, uh, let's say, a real estate investor's or real estate agent's perspective. So um, here's, we look at the entire ecosystem. What are the related uh, areas that a person needs to buy a home. So that may be credit. That may be the down payment. So here's how you can check your credit score for free. You as a real estate agent can share that information and partner with other, uh, let's say, credit bureaus, credit repair bureaus. There's nonprofit agencies that provide free credit repair. And so you can get in front of that and be, let's say, the thought leader behind credit repair. You can hold seminars with credit repair uh, specialists to say, we want to help 1,000 people in 2021 get their, let's say, credit repair to be ready to buy a home. So join us at our uh, first time home buyers seminar or workshop and bring in credit experts to help them learn about credit. You as the expert in real estate don't have to know as much about credit, but you're partnering with the right people. And now let's say someone buys the home. And so you, you take them through the process and you help them buy the home. So now how do we use education moving forward in order to help them again, become smarter and more informed people. Now, when someone buys a house, uh, most people oftentimes redecorate the home. So you can partner with your local furniture stores. You can also, let's say, do an interview on your platform with someone who is an interior decorator and, and provide, let's say, different color swatches. You can partner with different painters in your area. You can give them a coupon to your audience for 
services such as Thumbtack and uh, let's say Angie's List, for example, that provide uh, certified contractors for people who are going to need home repair, home improvement as they turn the house into a home. So think about the journey that your audience is on and partner with other organizations and provide the platform through interviews, through workshops, through coupons, through discounts, and through introductions. On your newsletter, you can say, hey, this is Jim Smith. Jim is the best painter in your particular zip code. I've worked with him on my last 10 properties, and he's offering you as a thank you for uh, being introduced, 15% uh, off uh, painting up to three rooms. You can uh, add two colors, one baseboard, and this is how you use education to provide support and education for people before they become a customer and after. And so the journey is what's important, and that's what you have to keep in mind. Shadid, tell me more about a little more about what you do in terms of content, content licensing. Who 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 can come to you, and how do they get how do they get started? Well, content licensing. If we think about a mountain, a blog post, social media update would be the base of the mountain. Content licensing would be the peak or the summit where we're able to take your signature ideas. This is what you uh, your your idea to change the world from a, a business or service perspective. And we help you to turn that idea into a curriculum, which is defined by mentorship, accountability, and community. And we help you find the key resources in universities, in agencies, as well as corporate America, in order to increase your recurring revenue. And so we all create content as business owners, but many of us don't create content at the highest level in that corporate America doesn't create its own training programs. It licenses training programs from people such as my clients. So if you'd like to learn more about how to take your best-selling book, your online course, or even information that you've used, a proprietary system that you've used to solve problems for clients, then please contact me. And so the way you get started is simply to uh, contact me directly. You will we'll do a discovery call to help you identify what your signature program is. If you have an existing program, then our team will review and audit and provide you with the roadmap on how you can develop your content into a curriculum and ultimately license it so that you can transform your business through recurring revenue using content licensing. I feel like we've covered a lot in, in, in almost an hour here. Uh, it seems to me that training is a lot more accessible. The concept of doing training is a lot more accessible than it used to be. You don't have to have a fancy equipment. You can do it from a smartphone to start with. But putting together that methodology, putting together the process, that's kind of where you can help in trying to build that cohesion, uh, the mentorship, the accountability in the community. Uh, that's kind of where you can help. So if someone is serious about increasing 
their ability to hire the right people and set the right expectations, keep the people that they have within the organizations operating with the right expectations, or keeping their customers loyal and continuing to buy and, and, and building that mind show with them. Sounds like that's something you can do for them. So wise investment to keep your customers coming back and increase the loyalty that they have to your brand. It is absolutely a great strategy to have your employees love where they work and want them to stay and recommend others to join your company. In order to do that, I can help you build a strategy to accomplish those objectives and build the company, the business that your ideas deserve. Well, for those who are listening in, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. And I, I feel like the, I hope you walk away from this with a bunch of or shifted perspective in terms of how and how to think about training. I'd encourage you to reach out to Shadid. You're more than welcome to reach out to me and we'll put posts out in the next couple of weeks about little clips with Shadid. So you're more, more than welcome to reach out to Shadid directly and uh, sit down with him. I, I, you know, every time I talk to Shadid, I get a lot out of it and I did for another hour here. Uh, but finally, Shadid, thank you for sharing with us. Uh, I mean, I, I love the stories. I love kind of the, uh, how, how you told people it, it's actually a lot easier than you think and, and the potential application of it. Thanks for doing thank that. You. Thank you. This was time well spent. Yeah. Well, thanks much, uh, Shadid. We'll talk again soon.